Good evening. Hi. I usually like to start this type of thing by inviting people to come down toward the front, simply because that makes us feel a little more intimate. We feel a long way away, don't we? Um, I'll sit, sit in the orchestra pit. No, no, no. <laughs> and um, anticipating another announcement, you know that we always like to give you the opportunity to ask questions. And because of our choreography, we're asking you to come to this center mic, which is in the aisle, right at the foot of the aisle, in front of the orchestra pit. And if you um, put two and two together, you'll realize that you might have to climb across people to get to the aisle. So anticipate that you will be asking questions and sit on the aisle. And with that, I'll say welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, and I'm delighted to be here with you in the Opera House in San Francisco. Welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist program. This evening is, I'm sorry, I'm welcoming you to the Points of View program this evening, which is Wednesday, February 19th, 2014. The Center for Dance Education produces a large number of programs, including our Meet the Artist interviews and these points of view programs. The Ballet 101 series, the talks on dance, there is a pamphlet about these things, which I believe you can pick up in the lobby. The Center for Dance Education also produces programming for children, both here in the Opera House, on the stage, and out in the community. All of this information is available on the website. Many of you are aware, of course, that we record these interviews and lectures for podcasting. And you can go to the website, sfballet.org, to find um, a large number of archived interviews, interviews from the past season, and of course, to look for the ones of the programs coming up. So again, welcome to this evening's Points of View program. You are here, so you've clearly figured out we have a little new system because of the um, long-deferred seismic upgrade in the veterans building across the way, so we get to be in the Opera House. Uh, we do need to ask you, as if you are not ticketed for this evening's program, please exit as you came in over on this side if you are ticketed for this evening's program, you'll want to go out the same way, but then you can go down the corridor past a ticket check and re-enter and take your ticketed seats. And I've already discussed the question and answer policy. I'll repeat it briefly. Um, you, we will want to be asking questions. You'll want to be able to answer their questions. So we're going to ask you to come down to the mic at the foot of the aisle. And you might anticipate that, um, if not right this minute, um, if you're thinking about a question, make your way to the aisle so that we don't, um, well, we want you to have a good chance and not feel awkward about stumbling across people in the row. Um, so with all of that out of the way, I am just honored to be able to say this is two weeks in a row that I can be partnered with someone who needs no introduction. 
So I present Val Canaparoli. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Steve Martin, but that's okay. <laughs> um, of course, Val, it's just delightful that you've given us the time tonight. I know you're riding high after last night's premiere of your new piece, and we are excited that we're going to be able to appreciate it a little more tonight after hearing you talk about it. Great. Thank you. Um, before we dive into you and your piece, Tears, um, it would be helpful to put it in context. The, um, this two weeks of two different programs really celebrates the creation of new work, not counting the Bayadere Kingdom of the Shades, which is our nod to history, but um, all of the works on these two programs are created in within, if not the last year, the last few years, and by living choreographers. This is a very strong commitment on the part of our artistic director, Helgi Thomason. And of course, we're just delighted that he dives into the home team for a good portion of this repertoire. One of the pieces you'll see on the program, I believe it's the center piece, so to speak, from Foreign Lands. Uh, choreographed by Alexei Ratmansky, whose work you know um, from his premiere here a number of years ago, the Carnival of the Animals, which showed us uh, his amazing creativity, his wit, uh, a real sense of humor. And uh, then several years later, um, Russian Seasons, which showed us his affinity for um, ethnic or character flavor. And in From Foreign Lands, he really exploits that. It's a pastiche of six different countries that we, we find evoked through his choreography. Um, very traditional look, but not a particularly traditional presentation. And lots of fun. <clears throat> the program closes with Borderlands, also premiered last year, uh, choreographed by Wayne McGregor. Some of you might have even caught his company, Random Dance, when they were here within the last month or so, I think. Um, an extraordinary piece, extremely contemporary, um, extremely contemporary in look and sound, and um, indescribable in what it asks the dancers to do and has proved to be very popular. So that will close this evening's program. And then that brings us to Val Canaparoli. Val, did you know that you have a Wikipedia listing that's really very extensive? Actually, a, a friend of mine did it. <laughs> so, so but, um, she did all the research and stuff, but... Um, Actually, it was a neighbor, not a real friend, but she said, you know, you don't have a Wikipedia page. And I said, I wouldn't know how to do it. So it's, I don't know if you, you know, it's t it takes a long time for them to accept all the details because they go through everything. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything fishy or weird or wrong, they will, they will go after that. And I mean, it's kind of great. I'm in Wikipedia now. It's cool. I... Um copied and pasted the list of your repertoire. And as of the most recent update, there are 79 ballets listed 
Yeah, and counting. I think there's even more. I just, uh, you lose track. <laughs> like, especially in the earlier years. I'm getting senile now. I can't count. But uh, in the late 70s I started, 79, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then going on. And it's hard to, do you count the yeah, potatoes? Mm -hmm. Do you count the solos? Do you count the thing you did for a, for a competition? Or I don't know. Sometimes mm -hmm. those aren't counted in mm -hmm. there. Um, so I think there are even more. I'm, just, I'm still researching well, that myself. Yeah. Well, and it mentions um, at least three opera companies for whom you have created dances. And the San Francisco Symphony, you've yes. done staged yep. works. So, um, and then there's this sort of collection of, as you say, indescribable category <laughs> of things. Um, that's a fairly prolific body of work. Which is Great. I, and venturing into theater a little bit more now with Carrie Perloff and ACT, that's proven to be exciting. Um, I just like, I don't like to stay in one place. I like to try new things and I don't know, it just keeps myself a little bit more fresh in that, doing that. Uh -huh. um, I may have miscounted, but approximately 18 are works created for San Francisco Ballet or San Francisco Ballet dancers. Possibly, yeah. I haven't really, mm -hmm. I haven't counted yeah. that either. So. And I know we um, always credit "Love Lies Bleeding" as being the first one you created here. Right. Yeah. Wow. That was the Stravinsky Festival. I don't know when that was. It could have been 80, 81, 82. I don't know. Maybe eighty-three. But uh, at the time, uh, Luke Christensen and Michael Smeon were co-directors, and so we did a whole Stravinsky. All of us had to choreograph to Stravinsky. So I put together a collection of 82. his works. Yeah. And I, I had this, it was about plant life, <laughs> which is weird. Um, I remember a Stevie Wonder uh, album called Secret Life of Plants. I think there's even a book mm -hmm. called that. So that was the, the inspiration on this. And um, loved doing it. The dancers were great. It was unusual. It was different, unusual costuming. The dancers were pretty funny because they were wearing cunny sacks. You can see right through them. Everyone's like a little bit scared of that but I mean I didn't it was a young time in my career where I was really naive and I just went for it and I thought I was going to take over the world and um, needless to say audiences loved it but critically it did not fly and I remember being devastated and I was walking downtown and I didn't know Eric Brun happened to be here at the time and he saw it and he ran across the street, jaywalked to tell me how much he liked it. He said, don't listen to them. You have talent. Keep going. I'll never forget that. And I, I, I remember that now with younger choreographers. When I see them devastated, I would see what they're, I'm always, I remember that time. And I go to them as well. I go, you, you keep going. And so I owe that to Eric Brun, which is amazing. That segues into one of the questions I had bullet pointed, which is, um, what is your advice to a young choreographer beyond, beyond just keep going? Um, wow. Uh, I just say trust in your dancers. Really uh, collaborate. Um, you, you, you need to learn by working. At every second, grab your colleagues and say, do you want to work on some choreography with me in the other studio? You're free. Or go to a school that uh, the, the school director, maybe in Marin or in the peninsula, work with those students. But you've got to learn your craft. You've got to, you only can do it mm -hmm. by creating and failing and keep going and keep going and don't take no for an answer. But really trust in, in your music. Try, maybe I even suggest learn to read music. I think that's crucial, very critical. 
and if you don't know how to, uh, to read music, yeah. take some classes. Yeah. Just, just be aware. Mm. So really pull together your skills. And your ask for help. Uh -huh. I mean, mm. I've mm. been known to do that if, say, with the Lombarena, I went, I don't know African dance, but it, it's, it, it involves African dance, so I brought in African dance consultants, and now I'm, I'm more knowledgeable of African dance. I would take classes in that, but I'd bring them in as, as consultants. Or with uh, Ibsen's house, I had at my back and called Carrie Perloff, and she would come in and explain the characters to the dancers, who they're portraying. I mean, it's important to bring in help. Um, collaboration, I think, is key in many ways. When I've talked to different choreographers, um, we get different stories about how and when they got started. And we, we know this story of Love, Lives, Bleeding. Um, and Street Songs, I think, was actually before that. Um, did you... Um, when did you have an instinct that you wanted to create dance? Well, the old story of that, I started so late. I was... Mm -hmm. In college, I was studied music. That was my major. Studying acting, English literature, speech education, you name it, I was doing it. I didn't know what dance was, um, uh, and took a dance class in college. And the teacher said, "You, you have talent. You should have a dance career." And I went, "What is that? I don't know what that is." But anyway, coming here, getting a Ford Foundation scholarship. Like I tell the story, I lied about my age. I was 21. And I said I was 16. Got the scholarship. I, I hope they don't take it back. But anyway, um, but I mean it. And then just learning that craft, I'd learn how to dance and stuff. And then the light bulb hit me because I was so intrigued. If I wasn't cast in, in a ballet, I would sit and watch that choreographer create on those dancers. And I was just intrigued. And the light bulb hit me. I went, wait a minute. I think that's my calling. I, this is why I'm taking dance classes. This is why I'm in the company. This is why I studied music. This is why I studied acting. This is why I studied directing, lighting, design, literature. Mm -hmm. And I went, wow, this is meant to be. And that's what, that hit me right there. It was like 72, 73, I was thinking, mm -hmm. wow. But I was watching those choreographers mm -hmm. all the time. And I remember the dancers ridiculing, why are you here? Go you know, go home. This is, you know, your time off. I went, no, this is intriguing. So I would sit there for hours, even if I wasn't cast. We are really winding slowly toward talking about tears specifically. But before we can really talk about it, I think we need to address your extraordinary and renowned um, versatility. I can't think of another way of putting it. You have done works that are so wildly different. And I sometimes wonder if you walk into a theater and you saw uh, Tears, or you saw Slow, or Death of a Moth, and then the next night saw Pulcinella. Would we know it was the same choreographer? Um, where do all of these things come from? I think, again, my background of... I'm influenced uh, sometimes by reading a newspaper and go, wow, that could be a ballet or uh, this, this article. Or I've always wanted to do, um, I remember reading Shirley Jackson's The Lottery in, in school, and that stuck with me. Um, or a piece of music, and I run the gamut. I go, I love 
every genre. I will go with everything. Um, it just it just it, it hits me at all different times on what I'm going to do, but also sometimes it's the dances you're creating on, or sometimes what the director asks you to do, and it's the director will call you and go. Uh, can you do, well, recently, Royal Winnipeg Ballet, the director called me and said, would you please do, are you interested in doing a full-length Cinderella? And I went, yeah, yes, I am. He says, but not with Prokofiev? I went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you never know. I love a challenge. Or when they say, we need a closer. We need something with a full company, and it's got to be in point. I don't want a story. And I'll go, okay, I'll do that. I mean, sometimes there's a challenge presented to me by specific directors. Sometimes it's a free reign, but I mean, the inspirations are all over the map, and I think that's where it becomes diverse like that, or a little bit different. But there's always signature steps. I, I can tell. I mean, and even some people go now, we can tell that's your ballet, even though it's like totally different from the other one. There, there are phrases that I do a lot. I mean, and Balanchine does that. You always know a Balanchine ballet. You always know. So I take that as a compliment. <laughs> um. One of the things we've observed, there are 78 plus works out there. They're all over the country, all over the world. 40 different companies at least. Um, some of your works obviously have caught <clears throat> and are done a lot by a lot of companies. Um, we've, we know Lombarena. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another one that I wish we could see um, somewhere close is the Lady of the Camellias. Right. Well, that, actually, a number of companies. Well, Diablo do that. Ballet is doing the, uh, the, the the duet, the pas mm -hmm. de from it mm -hmm. in. Gosh, is it May? I'm not sure. I should mm -hmm. know that. But uh, the pas de deux has mm -hmm. done a lot. You can also see it on. YouTube with Lucia Lacara doing it. Do you remember her? I don't know. She was a principal here. Yeah. Ten and, years ago. Yeah, and that's a, and sometimes you see it on that, that channel, the, 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 they do the music, the videos with opera and ballet, and sometimes it, it's on my TV. I go, my gosh, that's amazing. But the Potter has done a lot. Um, next season, Boston Ballet is performing it. There's probably like 10 or 11 mm -hmm. companies that mm -hmm. do perform the full-length work of it. And you did that originally for Ballet West. It was a co-production between Ballet West and Ballet Florida, so it was co-produced, mm -hmm. which made it difficult because Ballet Florida was a very small company and Ballet West was a large company. So I had to do two different versions, which was... So there are two versions out there with... It's versatile. We're a company of 23 or a company of 50, so it, it works. I'll be darned. Um, another ballet that's getting a lot of traction is, you were mentioning the Shirley Jackson story, The Lottery, <clears throat> which was uh, created for Ballet West in Salt Lake City. Um, they performed it last fall in Chicago and got rave reviews. And then um, I know that Ballet West is going to the Joyce Theater in New York this fall, and I have heard that there's a possibility they're discussing doing it in the New York season. That will be... That would be great, yeah. Um, triumph. That, again, the, that I've been wanting to do for probably 15 years. And every company I ever said, this is my, my thought, this is my concept, every company want, has wanted to do it from Pacific Northwest Ballet to this company to, I mean, you name it, but I always backed out because I couldn't find the music. There's a, the, 
it's really hard when you have a concept to have to find that music to fit it. It's really difficult. And finally, Ballet West came up with, let's do a commission score. And that can be expensive. Mm -hmm. So you have to really have, you know, you really want to do it and raise the money because a commission score is a lot different than taking existing music. But the, the concept, I don't know if you know the, the short story, it was really controversial, Shirley Jackson, and it's only 25 pages long, so if you go online, it's amazing. But what, it's like a, a rural town, they don't say quite the year, I think it's in the 50s, and they don't say, it's a Midwest town, and the town that she lived in really chastised her because they thought that, it would, that she was writing about that town. The book was banned in many, I mean, the short story was banned in many countries at the time. But the premise of it was the lottery, is, they don't say what it is, but there's an image of children collecting stones in, in the park, and everyone's talking about the lottery and this and its tradition. The town next to us don't do, doesn't do it anymore. But yes, we're going to do it, it's tradition. Um, but what ends up, when you pick that lottery, you don't the winning part of the lottery, you don't win at all. You get stoned to death. So, and it's never explained why. It's very, very odd. It's like a, a ritual. It's glamorizing ritualization and stuff. But it, in my version, I had to go to the, the estate, Shirley Jackson's estate, and say, what if the entire group of dancers on stage did not know who had to do that last solo that was very difficult until they picked from the lottery. And the audience knows as well. So they're all standing there. And to go to the theater and, and, and to not know, am I going to do the Black Swan Pot of or not? And not know it until like two seconds? And then you have to do it? What made it happen, what I convinced them is that this will always be fresh. It's always like reading the book for the first time. It's not always that same woman that's uh, um, in the book that picks a lottery. It could be any member of that town. So the ballet, the intensity is strong from the very beginning because that solo is really hard and very difficult. And you are actually stoned to death on stage. And you hear gasps from the audience. And the dancers are, you can tell the terror on their face when they're picking this and they have that black dot. So it's very intense. It's very intense. I have yet to see it. <clears throat> Looking forward to it. Seen video clips on the Ballet West website. Yeah. Um, okay. Tears. Tears. Uh, dance to um, the composer. You can read it. Steve Reich. Let's look at a picture. Um, there you are working with your dancers. Which vow is it that created this piece? <laughs> so funny. Um, which vow? Uh, a little more intense, maybe. Um, More intense than the lottery? No, but I mean... Different. Different in that the intensity didn't come from a story. It came from a quote. Um, it was working in a way I'm not used to work, uh, starting with some improvisation, which I don't do. Uh, started it with uh, that process with Amy Seiwert's imagery with the piece called Triptych, where I, there was a group of dancers that are used to working in improvisation, so I delved a bit in that, and I really liked it. So bringing that, what I learned from that company to this company was a challenge, because the dancers that work with me all the time weren't used to me working this way. So intense in that way, mm -hmm. very different. Mm -hmm. But 
very, very collaborative, even more than ever for this piece, but the dancers are really took ownership of this and, and different in that way. And also the music, it's not for everybody. And I know that it's Steve Reich, it's that minimalist, uh, but I find this score very beautiful and you have to lose yourself in it. And the rhythms in it are very intricate, but they're there, there's so many layers Hence learning music, I know, and I can hear each layer. And being able to tell the dancers these layers, but yet it's very difficult for them to count. We try not to count, we're trying to hear that score, so that was intense. Um, so it's not always on that beat. If you miss something, then you get to the next one. And if you're with a group of dancers, which you'll see maybe three couples on stage, they have to be doing the same thing. They really have to watch each other. And it's that same intensity. It's always going to be intense because you have to go with the flow of this community of dancers. And, it's, and you see that. You see the, the, the internal energy in this with the dancers. Um, a little bit chicken or egg, but did the music come along with your idea? Did you have the music in the background? Did well, you search I've had, for yeah, it? Well, I've had this music for a long time. I was okay. going to do it for Singapore Dance Theater, but I switched to <laughs> Lou Harrison and then, then presented the, the music mm -hmm. to Helky this time, and he liked it and, and used that. So it was really the music first, but it was almost simultaneously where I saw a documentary about John Muir and this quote. Mm -hmm and about the environment and water and this music really sounds like waves coming in to me and that just sort of developed from that point on and I also I can't pronounce it Kayanaskotsky the film Philip Glass I saw with a friend of mine and it just that that kind of inspired me too with the uh, fast forward with mm -hmm. the uh, images and film and, and such but it's Things just sort of fell into place at the time where I picked the music and saw this documentary and just the motivation of all of that and being intrigued by the documentary and his, you know, mm -hmm. environmentalists. Mm -hmm. So with the <clears throat> quote as an inspiration to you and the music with its sound, um, does the work, when we see it, does it tell a story? It doesn't tell a story, nor is it preaching. I didn't want to do that. I tend to try to stay away from preaching politically, religiously, or environmentally, but I like to use it. I like to let the audience go, well, what does this mean? What is his mm -hmm. thought process on that and that? But I mean, you will see. You will, you'll see it, most particularly in the lights and the sets, um, a journey of from water to no water and you'll see it very subtly and at the end it's a very subtle I mean the music sort of just quietly stops but um, it's really I think it's very dramatic in its quietness in many ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you, re it's, you will see it in the environment with Sandra Woodall's sets and costumes Clifton Taylor's lighting it, we collaborated on this from the very first day of working on this that's a question that I always like to ask, and that is, your collaboration is pretty celebrated with the dancers, but with Sandra Woodall, who you've worked with so many times, um, I almost feel as though she must contribute to well, it, the, the dance. Well, it's funny, because uh, she's so intellectual. I love her to death, but sometimes I have no idea what she's talking about. It's like, she's like, this very intellectual, she's up here, and then I start 
Sesame Street level. So it's like we sort of meet in the middle, and it's the journey is quite extraordinary, actually. And it's, mm. um, but it's a really good collaboration. She does about, probably about ninety-five percent of all my ballets. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's a good process, and she likes the collaboration. She she gets into everything intellectually, and you know we 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 meet in the middle because, like I said, sometimes I even say, Sandra, what are you talking about? But I do the same thing with Carrie Perloff, though, too. She's very intellectual. I go, I have no idea what you just said. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just trying to um, imagine Sandra sitting there and looking. Does she look at the movement before she comes up with her No, we we do. Before I even step foot in the studio, we've been talking for months. Mm. And just talking about the music and maybe what is our concept, what whether it's that story or it's just the music, is it abstract, is it this? But we, we are collaborating for the, from the very beginning. And I, even with lighting designers, or if a separate set designer, they are involved from day one that that director says, would you like to do a ballet? And I go, okay, here are the collaborators. We work way before we get in the studio. I don't, take, I don't do steps, though. But I know where I'm going to take something or where I want to start it. And that's where Sandra and I and all the collaborators that aren't dancers really uh, are necessary for me. I would say just um, as an observer, these designs are deceptively simple. Um, We don't happen to have slides um, that show the set. I don't know if you want to say anything about it or not. The The set. It's hard to describe. I mean, it really, to me, it looks like an art installation. And then mm-hmm. the lighting really affects how these, the, the set piece looks. It's very minimal on stage, too. Very open. I've observed that you have a fascination for um, non-traditional entrances and exits and <laughs> access to the stage. I love What's doing that. What's that about? I, I love that. I love that... Uh, that sensation of surprise coming from the audience where someone, where did that person come in or this person or from the back or, you know, they appear on stage and go, how did they get there? But I love unconventional stagings and Sandra Woodall, our set designers, actually helped me with that very much so. So, and then this is one of those instances where the entrances and exits are very, sometimes surprising. Um, but yeah, definitely. I love to alter the, not just this, with wings and the, you know, or just this uh, colored background with lighting. I mean, I really like to try to alter the environment. I hope that you've been able to look. I've been flipping through the images. Um, one certainly looks at this beautiful, simple dress. Am I guessing it's pane velvet? It just had that kind of a feel. I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's very lightweight. Sandra Woodall's costumes are deceptive in. I don't know if you've seen Ibsen's house, the very period. Mm-hmm. The dancers put them on and they say, this is lighter than anything I've ever worn. Mm-hmm. And it moves. Mm-hmm. But Sandra has this knack of picking fabrics that, that have weight to it, but is so comfortable. You feel like you're wearing nothing. And they, the dancers love her designs. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful blue color. Right. Does it perhaps evoke water? Yes, it does. And then you see, you know, there's some browns and there's even some mm-hmm. of the patterns mm-hmm. in their skirts. You can't see here. You see a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's reflective yeah. of what is on the set in the lighting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's kind of mm-hmm. 
coordinates, mm -hmm. basically. I think we're looking at pictures of two of the couples that were in the opening cast. Right. Um, and you mentioned there are three principal couples. And, and four men. And an ensemble, well, ensemble. Ensemble, sort of a yeah. Chorus. Of yeah, I wouldn't call them core because they, they work their butts off. I, yeah. Oh, I don't mean, off. mean that core, but, but they're like <laughs> yeah. a, almost like a Greek chorus. Yeah, it they're is. A... It is like uh, they're mm -hmm. co collectors, mm -hmm. you know, uh, gestures and giving of gestures. And the, they really, to me, tie the piece together very much so. We're about ready to segue into an opportunity for folks to ask questions. And I want to uh, remind you that if you have a question, and I hope some of you do and are brave, um, you're going to want to come down to the mic at the foot of the aisle. And while you are gathering yourselves together and coming to the mic, I have one more question for you. So questions, start. Somebody. Don't be shy. <laughs> he loves to answer. Um, while you're making your way to the mic, how many projects do you work on at once? And is it fair for you to tell us what's next? Um, I usually work on four or five works at the same time and maybe ten revivals. I have like a semi-staff now that goes around for me to stage these works. The next thing I leave tomorrow morning, I go to Louisville, Kentucky for uh, Louisville Ballet that we're doing a ballet called Spaghetti Western which is a brand new work, and it's the music of Ennio Morricone. He wrote all the Clint Eastwood films, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So all those amazing scores that we're, I put together, and we're calling it Spaghetti Western. Anyway, that's what I work on tomorrow. <laughs> Early flight, yeah. Okay, well, we have our first questioner, so can you tell us Yo. what you'd like to know? Well, um, you mentioned something about how, like, when you first started, they told you, no, no, you're not a dancer, you're not supposed to be here. You, know, you had to lie that you were 16 and everything. And I'm curious, artistically, because I do a lot of artistic stuff too, sometimes people like dismiss you when they say no and stuff. Have you ever then like put that in the back of your mind and said, okay, I'm going to choreograph something based kind of making fun on those people saying no. And then when you choreograph something that's successful, then you're kind of vindicated for it. Has that ever happened when you, in, in, in your own kind of work to where you kind of turn the criticism around and make a ballet out of that? Well, that's hard to say. I don't think I've, maybe, I, maybe subliminally, I don't think I've really set out to do that, but I might, might have done something out of anger. Like you said, I can't do this, I'll show you. Or, yeah. Or many times the press will go, well, you're in insignificant. And I go, right. boy, I'll show you. You know, I'm, I'm not going away. Or, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm persistent. You know, I, I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And so I'm, like I said, I'm not going away. <laughs> so I don't think I've consciously done that. I probably could have. Um, well, the, the one thing about the, the, on the dancing thing, uh, saying I was 16, uh, like if I, and I thought I was so good, if I would have really known naivety was on my side, if I would have known, sat back and looked at myself, I would have ran out of there. I would have had skid marks running out of those studios because I was not that good. But in my mind, I thought I was great. So I think I convinced everybody I was good. Because like within 18 months, I was hired by San Francisco Ballet, after, which is very strange. So, and then the choreography, 
or even as a dancer. I was never picked by choreographers because I was not a good person and technically strong in class. I was hired mostly to do character roles or partnering, and I was really upset many times with Yuri Killian or Robbins or people would come in. I wasn't picked, so I would consciously make sure I knew which of those dancers I knew were always going to be injured, and I would go in there and secretly <laughs> learn those roles, and I'd, they'd go, I'd be here. I got so many good roles that way. Anyway, that's... So that's good advice to a lot of dancers. Find out who gets injured all the time. Learn those parts, because you will be on stage. I okay. made a great repertoire out of that. Thanks. Thanks for sure. That's fantastic. <clears throat> Talk about hints to rising dancers. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another question. Thank you. I came in late, so I don't know if you dealt with this. Uh, I've heard that some choreographers, I guess uh, Christopher Wilden, for one, um, is... He does steps that the dancers say, I can't do this. And he'll show them that uh, he can do it. Is there an issue in any of your ballets or thinking ahead about whether the dancers can actually do it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, again, I don't come in with steps. I come in with, I call it maybe phrases or sentences or I know where that solo is going to go I know what I want to accomplish so I will at that point give a series of steps and then the dancer will mimic me or look like or think what they thought I did and many times what they did what they thought they saw me do was better than what I did so many times when I'm creating a work on a dancer it's shaped by them and directed by me, but with my style. Um, and like Lorena says uh, many times, is my style can be very awkward, but once you get it in your body, it's like, yeah, of course, it flows. It's totally, it works, but you got to, the, the style alone is the difficult part, more than the steps. But with the work, I don't come in with any steps any whatsoever and I never have a problem of choreographer's block in fact I probably over choreograph so I always have to pull back so you know so the dancers are collaborators with me I mean in my work definitely and I again I think for me by doing that I think they take ownership of the ballet of, and I think you get a better performance I think they're very proud of what they've accomplished and, and we've done that together we've done it together well, somebody else is thinking of a question and moving down to the front here, I hope. Um, you alluded to choreographer's block, and that was in the back of my mind. <clears throat> you say it never happens to you. I was going to ask, what would you do if it did? Um, but you find that you just have a never-ending stream of ideas? <laughs> well, there is a trick to that. I mean, because there's always a second or third cast. You always go... Um, let's see this, the second cast now. Let's try that step. Anyway, you, you repeat it or something, and then you get your bearings back. I mean, a lot of times. And that's a good thing, because then that second cast person gets attention and gets to run through what you've just done. Um, but my advice, again, to young choreographers is just don't stop. Push it. Force yourself. Sometimes when I think I've got that, it's going to happen, that choreographer's block, and 
it's late in the day, and oh my gosh, I don't want to choreograph anymore. Sometimes those are the best phrases and steps I do. When you're tired and you're not second-guessing yourself and you just throw those steps out there, sometimes that is mm -hmm. the best time. And so I, I tell you know, young choreographers, push it. Don't, don't let it happen. It's in you. It, you, will, you, know, you will get things out of it. I remember a story of um, a young choreographer who was working, I think it was in American Ballet Theater, and <clears throat> the um, block happened. And ran, walking down the hallway ran into Anthony Tudor and who said, also, how's it going? And he said, mm, not so well. And Anthony Tudor said, oh, happens to me all the time. And he said, you just start making stuff up. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. then yeah. you can always go back the next day and edit, or you find that you it find, is... Exactly, it's, it's some of best, your best yeah. work, and it's, yeah. it's fun. It's just, just start faking it. And Thank you, yes. I'd like to know how you preserve your work. Do you videotape everything and take extensive notes or what? There's a lot of notes and I always, you always have an assistant with you that will write those steps down. And especially when you go from company to company, you, you're gonna, you're gonna go, you might bring your own assistant, but someone represented from that company has to write those steps down and it's that, that, that uh, appointed person's job to keep the style, to keep the steps fresh and keep it rehearsed. Um, there is the age of videotaping, but sometimes videotapes lie in that if it's a performance, they, may, they might have been made a mistake or off the music or something. You know, performances aren't always perfect. So you might videotape that uh, a lot of rehearsals during, you know, per day. Sometimes you tape that entire rehearsal that day or you have, so it's the age of you know, technology of video and such, but that isn't always good because sometimes that dancer made a mistake and 15 years down the line, someone's gonna look at that and go, no, see, she did it that way, that's what it's supposed to be like, not knowing that that dancer actually made a mistake. So it's, it's written down and it's actually sometimes handed down from dancer to dancer to dancer as well. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, another question. Uh, good evening. Hi. Like filmmakers um, that tend to make the same film over and over and over again, right? or novelists who always write the same film, do you find, would it be true of your choreography, is there a certain set of themes that you're all, always chasing or expressions that you're right. after, your relationship tra to tradition or to new things. Right. Uh, I, again, I think w why I'm not possibly, I don't know, I think I'm not stuck in that. Um, some people may argue with me and think, well, your pieces all look alike. I don't know. But in my mind, starting so late in this career kind of helped me in many ways because my life has been different than if I would have started at five or six or seven or eight years old and being in that studio. I mean, I really, and you know, my parents were made, diversified me, so my, they make me study music or this. They really pushed me to learn everything. They pushed me in sports. They made me ski. I hated skiing. Um, but it was like, they made me do a lot of things. Um, but also, some, I go back to being naive with choreography. I still think I'm relatively naive on my subject matters or 
you know, because it's not for everybody. I can see that director sometimes rolling their eyes going, this is not what I was expecting. But I love that. I love not mm. being pigeonholed. Mm. And I know a lot of directors, are, they go, well, I don't know what I'm going to get from you, but I'm, we're always going to be surprised. And sometimes that's, that's a good thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to ask people that know my work. It's a, <laughs> it's a fantastic answer because what it does is it sort of opens up the door for even older choreographers and dancers. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that we can really open up the vocabulary of yeah. dance. Oh, I agree. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. I wish we could go on more and more because you've said some wonderful things that I think will help the audience who is going to see Tears tonight. Just out of curiosity, how many of you saw it last night and came back? So a few folks, yeah. And how many of you will see it tonight? So. <laughs> It'd be funny if none of you raised your hands. <laughs> nope, not seeing it. <laughs> so before we say our final farewells, I want to remind you that you're going to need to go out the side and um, exit over here so that if you're not ticketed for tonight, you can leave. And if you are, you can go down the corridor to re-enter. And I believe that there are still tickets available for those of you who hadn't planned on staying, but now you think you might. Um, with that, I would like to just, of course, repeat that I've been in this wonderful conversation with choreographer Val Canaparoli, who has um, created his latest work, world premiere last night, Tears, and you will see that if you stay for this evening's performance. Be sure to go to the website. You can catch all of the updates and information about things that are coming up, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Val, thank you. Thank you. Very much. Thank you.